Our lives begin to end the day we become silent about things that matter. Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Secrets of Saturn. On this episode, we have Jonas Favela. Jonas Favela is the administrator for the StopTheCrime.net Facebook page and has been on a five-year-long journey of truth-seeking that he intends to spend the rest of his life. Jonas, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. Now, this is your first interview you've ever done, even though you've been doing the activist kind of work with your StopTheCrime.net page. Right. Let's talk about who you are, where you came from, what woke you up to all these things going on in the world. Um, well, it started, uh, 2011. Um, I was just like everyone else, you know, I had this, I had a good job and I kind of re- revolved my whole identity about, you know, how much money I made and what car I drive, the whole nonsense of what our society puts on as what you should be. And when I lost it all, uh, I felt pretty empty, but then I started finding some, it gave me some time to research different information and I came across it started really with um, food and finding out what a GMO was never heard of it before <laughs> never heard of a Monsanto I mean, who, who's, who are these people and that's really where it started for me and I went from there to the Federal Reserve System fiat currency the, the whole paradigm that I've been told through school and my whole life was a lie and so it led me down this path of of truth seeking, and there were some false starts because you know I didn't really know. I think when you first come across this information, so you're you're, you're bombarded by all the different types of things, and it took some while to differentiate what's actually truthful and what's disinformation because there is a lot of disinformation out there. You know, there's just uh, a lot of information in general out there, and you kind of have to put the pieces together on your own, take different right. threads and kind of weave your own web of what you perceive as to be truth and reality. Right. And so one of the things that um, really started me going was, was I was, um, I, I loved history. Right? I read books, watched the history channel and, and, you know, I thought that this was the truth. And then I kind of find out that, no, it's not. Mm. <laughs> They're definitely putting, um, a spin on things. And one of the, so I started researching education and I found people like John Taylor Gatto and, uh, Charlotte Iserby. And then I found the tragedy and hope and that just blew my mind. Um, realizing that the educational system, and this is what most people in this country suffer from is they don't know how to critically think. (laughs) It's been taken out of the, I mean, it used to be in there. They used to do grammar, logic, rhetoric, the trivium. That used to be part of the classical education, but it was systematically cut out. Yeah, and I would also postulate that the current academics, federally mandated for schools known as Common Core, really, really nail that coffin shut. Yes, that is the, uh, I think the last, the last, um, thing that they need and it, and I have a daughter who's 16 I've seen what they're doing in Comic Core and it's really scary um, I, I'm when I was reading some of her like 
<laughs> she was in seventh grade and they were doing American history and that was a joke. <laughs> so I was like, okay, well, let's, let's look at what do they say about banking here? <laughs> so <laughs> you know, I'm just curious. I knew there wouldn't be much. Well, they, did a little blurb on the Federal Reserve, and it was like literally a paragraph, and it read like a brochure. <laughs> what you know, I've never seen that. So, what did it actually say? It was the, it was there. It was a brochure just saying that oh, it was set up to stop um, um, uh, inflation and all that. Inflation and you know, the, you know, depressions and the, to stabilize the monetary system, which it absolutely did not do. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, so that. Not. Yeah, it was like it was it was a blurb. It was uh, propaganda, and then I explained to her what it is. You know, it's this isn't this is a private corporation that rules everything. The monetary system, I believe, the financial system is the head of the snake as far as like dealing with day to day things here, yeah. and it has impoverished this country and the people and people around the world, and it, it goes. Back, I told her about Jekyll Island. You had all these uh, billionaires setting up this system. This isn't something. Then later on, I come to find out that um, the system that they they supposedly created really is an ancient one, going back to Babylon, Mm -hmm. like the Babylonian Woe. I don't know if you've ever uh, read any of that stuff or seen those uh, videos. So this is an ancient thing, and it's an ancient system of control, and. I know that we as people, as Americans, are told we're free, but we're not at all, period. It's an illusion of freedom, I would say. Yeah. I call it the veneer of society. Yes, the veneer of society. And that's like that's what I was stuck in before I started doing uh, the research and learning, was that veneer of society, like most people are. Uh, now, well, let's go back to... What was the thing that actually was the trigger for you? Obviously, you were living the typical American lifestyle, trying to get ahead, doing the rat race. Yeah. And but, what was the first thing? What was the thing that made you raise your eyebrow and go, what's up with this? Well, I started watching these because um, I was really into uh, nutrition. And I started watching these uh, documentaries like Forks Over Knives and um, Ingredients and just finding out that our food supply is so toxic. And then, like, I never heard of Monsanto. So I'm like, well, what's this? And then, oh, man, that uh, got really interesting. And I'm like, well, how, how is this happening? What, where's the FDA and all this? And then you come to find out that the FDA is in the pocket of these people. They're not there to protect us. And this also goes into another another thing that I started that I never even, even heard of was the depopulation agenda. Um, eugenics. Eugenics, yeah. Eugenics. I've never heard of that. Never taught in school and college about that. Um, and that scared me to death. And it still bothers me because I can see it all around. You know, um, once you know, you can see what they're doing because they're exactly. hitting us on a, on very uh, on numerous fronts. Right. Yeah. It's the basically the the way I kind of preface it is that uh, we're at war on all fronts or it's a full spectrum dominance uh, through the air, the water and food and information. Um, the medical establishment is one of the, it, <laughs> it kills more people than all the drugs and gun violence 
every year. It's like something like 250,000 people die just in this country alone through medical malpractice. Or, mm-hmm. But you never hear about that, right? Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's like no, because they own the media as well. Yeah, exactly. And so that's where this kind of thing is. And I started finding about these corporations. But really, who started what I started research is like there were some names I never even heard of, like Rothschild mm-hmm. and Astor and Vanderbilt. And Rockefeller. I heard of Rockefeller, but I never understood what they were. And so you start going into the history of these these families who, if you go into like Forbes and see the richest people in the world, you never mention they never mention these names. But these are the guys that own the Federal Reserve that create the money. That that they are the ones that generational families that have been in charge for the last hundred years, right? Plus, you know. Um, and what's interesting is that. The way they operate isn't what how most people operate or think. They most people are thinking this day to day. I don't want to do this, this, and this. These people think decades in advance and have their agendas, and they're doing it. You can see it once your eyes are open to it. You can see what's happening. Um, right now, we're like in the middle of like <laughs> the brink of World War Three, right? And and it's being pushed. And I mean, someone could argue we're already in it. Um, currency-wise, I mean, look at the economics of the situation. You know, we're we're told that um, oh, there's it's the unemployment's like four point three percent or something like that. It's ridiculous. Um, but I see, you know, you have a hundred million Americans out of work. You know, fifty-four million Americans on food stamps are taking so many people taking some sort of assistance from the government. The the economy is not <laughs> what we're being told it is. No, we, no, not at all. The retail cop apocalypse is happening. You've got all these stores closing. Um, I've seen just here in my town, uh, it, just within the last six months to a year, this, the homelessness um, just explode. Yeah. And now I'm not talking about just people that are addicts or something, like whole families. And it breaks my heart, you know, because one of the things I've, I've learned through this is that I – that's me personally is I care about humanity deeply. I care about people and I want to, I want to do something to help. I know I can't go help everyone, but in my small way, you know, I try to get the truth out there through, um, you know, I, I admin the page for stop the crime. Um, that's an interesting story. How I, how I got to that. Um, I don't know if you've heard of Deborah Traveris. Um, she's the one that runs the, uh, stop the crime started her uh, thing. And, well, let's uh, talk about that then. What what is StopTheCrime.net and what is your role in that? Uh, I I just admin the Facebook page. I've been doing it for about four years. Um, I'm the only one that does it. Um, I talk to people all the time through that. Um, but wow, how I how that came to be was really interesting. And so this is right when I first met her, and I've only met her a couple times. When I first met her, uh, me and my friend were going to um, we're going to um, get some copies done and the guy that um does all her web work and everything he owns the coffee store and everything and she started talking to us about chemtrails now this is right in the beginning of being awakened and i was looking we were looking at her like you're nuts what are you talking about <laughs> you know it's like I've, I've never heard any of this before i was like why would they do that and then it turns out later when i started doing some research and i actually looked up and like oh my god she's right there's something going on here and that just led into more – I mean I see it every day. I still see people denying 
what chemtrails are, that they're anything other than normal jet contrails. Right. Well, I mean, if all you got to do is a research, you realize that the modern jet engines don't do that. Right. (laughs) Well, (laughs) they also don't make giant tic-tac-toe signs in the sky. No, they don't. Like, you'd have to fly in very specific patterns deliberately day after day to keep seeing this. Right. On a regular basis, and they, they don't do that. Well, that's one of the things I tried to figure out was, like, what... What is the plan here? I mean, what there's obviously they they've got grids that they do, and it's not just here in this country. I mean, we're seeing it. I got uh, people in stop the crime that from all over the world, mm-hmm. and they send pictures in in, uh, in Europe and in South America, and so this isn't just localized just to this country. Um, there's something going on. It's like you know, a lot of people speculate on what this is. You know, I've heard some really outlandish stuff. But I mean, the more outlandish it is, the more there may be some truth to it. Uh, one of them's terraforming or like, whatever agenda is going on there. I do know that through the research I've done and watching things like why why in the world are they spraying and listening mm-hmm. to things and the aluminum levels are skyrocketing. And if you look with the with the advent of um, dementia, Alzheimer's, autism, that it's just exploded over the last 20 years. Yep. You know, there's something going on here. And, and, and these people's aluminum levels are just skyrocketing. But then this also, so when I, when I found about this stuff, I'm like, oh, wow, well, what about everything else? And that goes back again to the food and all the products we use. <laughs> you know? and, and then I started to think, well, what's this organic thing? And, you know, and so it just led to this i had it took a long time to like be able to see where all this was going and it goes back to what we originally were talking about eugenics um you know there's this myth that uh people put out like oh the world's overpopulated no it's not (laughs) now i've seen the the study that uh the entire world's population could fit into the size of texas with a comfortable house in a small you know backyard or whatever. It would be about the population density of New York. Yeah, it's it's kind of like, no, we're not overpopulated. We're not using the resources properly, but we're not overpopulated. No. And, well, here it goes, and that goes into the thing where, like, I don't know, we don't, I don't, we can't trust the numbers that we're getting out from the UN, understanding what the UN is and the World Health Organization. Again, this goes back to those families who funded this thing, right? Yeah, exactly. It's, um, so I don't know what the actual population of the world is. I, I, I don't believe their numbers. I mean, it'd be really interesting to find out, but I don't know. I don't know how I've looked and I, I, I couldn't find anything on that. If you know, so anyone knows, shoot me a message. I'd be interesting. Um, yeah, it goes into that, uh, that whole overpopulation myth and the whole, uh, <laughs> the global warming hoax or climate change and, I know, I just, you know, they're really pushing that carbon tax thing. Mm-hmm. That's, that, that's the ultimate level of control, I would think, because they could push that on a global scale, not just the United States. Right, and that's what they're doing. Um, so, what, with knowing all, you know, we're, we're talking, like, we're kind of hitting a lot of broad different subjects here. Um, the overpopulation, the, the eugenics, the, the, the poisons that we're, that we are exposed to every day. I mean, it's affecting, I think, the brain and functions of people's minds. It would seem so. Yeah, not to mention the fact of uh, 
just putting like what's on TV. You know, when you research what television is and who really started it, and it actually sends you into a when you watch TV, it sends you into a kind of a trance. Mm-hmm. It's put you in an alpha state. Yeah, an alpha state. I've always um, liked the uh, phrase. There's there, there's a reason why it's called television programming. Exactly. Because that's what's happening. So one of the biggest things I did was I just turned I, no cable, nothing. Uh, well, it's interesting uh, that you're saying things like that. Now, our original conversation before we started doing the show was you wanted to point out the fact that you were the average person who then woke up to what's going on and started doing research. Right. And that's that's pretty much all of us. We're all the average person, and then something triggers... We see something, we hear something, whatever it happens to be, that gets us kind of raising our eyebrow and going, well, what's this all about? And it starts the path. And everyone's kind of got their own little thing of what it was that got their attention first. With you, it it sounds like it was uh, food, GMO crops, finding out about Monsanto and how they're this pretty much giant evil corporation controlling things on a global scale. And yeah, that led it, then it led into the financial things. Uh, I mean, I admit, like one of the ones that one of the documentaries that really kind of set me on my heels was the original Zeitgeist. Um, now I know, knowing what Peter Joseph's really about and everything, notwithstanding, um, but it did uh, have some good information on the Federal Reserve. The, the first one is pretty good, I would say. Yeah, it was pretty good, and that just completely blew me away. And that's when I started the. Uh, um, really waking up to the to the things and realizing like how enslaved people are by this idea of having this paper and ink and that defines you as a human being. But that's not it. Um, I see money as a system of control. Um, I don't define myself by after learning this, I don't define myself by brand names or car I drive. I just define myself as being a good person and trying to do But that's good. where you started from, right? You, you started oh, yeah. off as the person chasing these things like most people do. Yeah. What changes happened in your life? Like you started seeing this information, you started absorbing it and realizing, okay, this is this looks like the way things really are. What happened in your life starting from the beginning that what changed in your life bit by bit to become where you're at uh, now. Uh, yeah, it was a. It, I realized that I spent most of my, you know, like have to, you have to have this good job so you can buy the stuff you don't need. And and after I lost that, you know, my whole my whole identity, everything that I thought who I was just crashed. So I basically, I was sitting there, pretty despondent. And, you know, at times I was like, I started watching Netflix and then I I came across some of this information. And after a while, it slowly and slowly and then it started picking up faster and faster where I started, like I said, about the food, Monsanto, eugenics, the occulted history. Um, And I started getting into books I've never even heard of, like Tragedy and Hope. I found a plethora of information and people out there like um, the alternative media I was like, I never really got onto YouTube before, so I started looking stuff on YouTube, and you know, I found Alex Jones. I mean, I think anyone that um, first starts going through this information, that's the first person you're going to see. Um, 
and I went from there and I, and I, I, the alternative media is really what's saving, I think in a lot of ways, actual journalism and humanity because they're putting, are trying to put truth out there. And I found people like James Corbett, Richard Grove, um, Dex 22 report. Um, and it started coalescing. So I started getting different perspectives than what I had ever been exposed to because before I just watched TV, I watched CNN and the news and I thought, Oh, well, this is what it is. Right. It's not. <laughs> I realized, right. wow, okay, I've been lied to on a huge scale here. And what I like about a lot of the alternatives, like they, they, um, well, don't take our word for it. Go look for yourself. And that's what I did. Um, and it's led me to this point now in my life where my goal is to try to sp spread the truth as much as I can to be a good human being, be compassionate, um, let go of uh, the fear that is all around us. And there's a lot to be afraid of, <laughs> to be honest, but to, to get to a point where I think we're at a point now and I, I'm not going to speak for you, but I think we're at a point in our society where it's time to, it's, it's Dan's coming. Like it's time to stand up. And it's time to stand up for what you believe and stand up for what's right. Um, like an old saying is, I'd rather die on my feet than my knees. <laughs> you know what I mean? And I, the economic crisis that's happening here, the constant war, the police, are, the police um, state we're living in, and it, it, it keeps it keeps happening. But I, I do see a mass awakening happening now. It does seem to be so. Um, hopefully it's happening on a scale large enough that we can make the changes that need to be made before anything too dreadful happens. Right. Well, I think like what you do and what other people uh, in alternative media and like there is people are starting like you could just look at people are, are waking up. I mean, maybe not on a huge scale and not yet, but I think it might take uh, one of those events that they try. They like to manufacture and. <laughs> Because a lot of people will be screaming about that. I, I, I want to say there's hope, and I, I do think there is hope for humanity. I do think there's hope for the people in this country and the world, but they have to. It's kind of a twofold thing. Like, for instance, as of today, I have somewhere around 150,000 views on my channel. That's really good for most people. But considering the level of information that we we're talking about, I think I'd feel better about things if that was in the millions. Yeah. Um, you know, that but, people you know, are but taking it and of... spreading it. You know what I mean? Like, they're, they're saying, wow, they're talking about some heavy topics. People need to know this. I'm going to take this, and I'm going to keep bouncing it to other people. That's right. what I, I do this for. I, I do this to get the information out there so that people will... I'm passing it to you. Now you you, pay, you pass it to the next one. Yeah. Well, exactly. And then, well, there's also, there's, there's another flip side to this coin being that there is mass censorship out there. I noticed that with um, uh, a lot of things I post on Stop the Crime, certain things will get a lot of views and some things get none, like very little, like double digits. And it's interesting that it, I've been tracking what it is. And if you talk anything about, uh, or post videos or anything about uh, Syria or uh, financial things or anything that um oh especially anything that uh, criticizes israel um you're not getting it so i, I kind of wonder like how much 
Are you referring to YouTube or Facebook or? I'm talking about Facebook. Um, of course, we not know it's all being monitored. Uh, YouTube too. I mean, I think that um, what we need really is an open source. We get away from these corporations who run this stuff. We need is an open source technology that has people can have access and that spread information without censorship. And that's they seem to be. Um, every day clamping harder and harder on this stuff, you know. I, I think the uh, overall problem is server space. Yeah. That, now, if some millionaire wants to come forward and be like, okay, I'm going to make an open source YouTube, basically, you know, I'm going to donate, here's the servers, you have more than enough space to do this for years to come. Yeah. It's free, you make your account, you have your own channel, you do what you want. That would be ideal, and if you want to see how quickly tyranny would come down... I think that uh, you wouldn't see that last very long. Oh, no. <laughs> Not at all. Well, I mean, there, but, you know, there are people that there's like, I don't know if you've ever heard of Sabelle Edmonds. Yes. Okay. Blowing Frogs. And she's starting a new thing called uh, uh, Newsbud. It's all independent journal. And she's doing, they're doing, a, uh, I think, a Kickstarter campaign trying to get um, money together so they can act, and then they have a bunch of really great journalists and, and people in the truth movement that are great writers uh, you know James Corbett will be involved with that and uh, a bunch of other ones involved in trying to set up an actual independent journalism channel and like they'll, they'll actually the way she explained it is like they want to have um, funding so they can send people in a camera crew to these events that happen and get not the CNN version of it. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. these are the kind of things that I think are very important. I was like, how long that will last? I don't know. It seems that the elites, like we were talking, it seems like they're getting desperate right now. They're getting more and more scared. I've heard other people say that. Um, I don't know if that's true or not. From what I understand from the documentation I've researched over the years, their original intention was to have this new world order in place by 2000. Obviously that didn't happen, at least not in a full, complete control sort of scenario. So what do we have on September 11, 2001? We have an event that kind of puts things back on track for them, I would hypothesize. You know, gives them excuses to use the U.S. military, which they've always used as their police force to go to places that they may not have been able to justify going to before and and really start solidifying their, their power structure globally and not just the control of the United States, which is obviously the economic powerhouse of the world, or traditionally had been. And now whether this is the thing that they needed to really complete their, their grand scheme, I don't know, but... It, it seems that they're not where they need to be, I guess would be the right way to put it. It seems like that they didn't anticipate the way technology would go. I always point out that the Internet is the, the double-edged sword. They can use it for the propaganda that they want to distribute. But the people, the average guy, as, as you like to say, we used it as a weapon as well. And that's why we have this mass awakening. If we didn't have the internet as it as it is now, it would be no different than 1950s propaganda of, you know, communists hiding in your soup. 
yeah. you know, that that's being put in, the, in your local paper. No, I agree. I agree. And I, I also like to point out when I you know, talk about this new world order or really actually an old world order, but um, these these people aren't omnipresent. They're not gods. Like it, there's one thing that no matter how much tyranny they bring down on a people, it's like you have the human spirit and that will always win. They may, they may be able to crush dissent to a certain extent, but they'll never be able to get rid of it totally. I know they're going to try and they are. But I, I firmly believe that human spirit that, you know, that we can stop this. I, I think things have been stopped in certain ways. You know, uh, I think if people hadn't jumped all over it, I, I would uh, theorize that Syria would be invaded by now. Oh, yeah. Well, they stopped it, what, a couple of years ago when they tried to bomb it in there. And then, you know, the English and... Uh, and they just were like, no, we're not doing this. <laughs> but they got in anyway, and right after that, what happened? ISIS. Sure, <laughs> right. <laughs> they, well, they, I'm sure they have backup plans of backup plans. And then there's the whole uh, false flag thing of all the bombings and incidents like that, but people tore those to shreds. And I, I would think that those were instituted for gun control because the one thing, if I had to conjecture, that is keeping them from completely clamping down on the United States is the fact that so many people have firearms. I agree. And because so many independent journalists did their homework uh, on these fronts, I think it probably held back massive gun legislature. Yeah, I agree. I think um, that the Second Amendment you know, is a very good thing. I, did, I, I can be honest with you, I used to be really anti-gun. Uh, I'm not anymore. Uh, I realize what it's for. <laughs> mm. I think you're right. I think it is stopped a here, at least. You know, the easiest way to look at the Second Amendment is you can make gun control laws all day long. Nothing is going to stop the bad guy getting a gun and hurting a civilian. It's it's you're not you're not going to stop them. There's too much available on the black market. All gun control really does is stop the average person from getting a weapon to protect themselves. And I know a lot of people probably jump up and down screaming that's not true, but it really is. You've never heard of a criminal who actually wants a weapon to do something having trouble getting it. He's not going to walk into a, a gun shop and apply for a license and get denied and go, oh, shucks. Yeah, no, exactly. Well, you know, it's, it, but, oh, it's the conditioning, too. I've talked to a lot of people, a lot of like women in particular. So women are really just totally terrified of guns. So I, I asked this question. I was like, okay, someone's breaking into your house to rape you and hurt your children. What are you going to do? You know, you can call the police after the fact if they show up or you have a firearm to protect you. And it, they get really uncomfortable with that. And it just blows me away. I'm like, you have a natural right to defend yourself. You do. And a lot of people don't realize it's not the police's job to actually do what you just said that that's not their job if they're available and they're around sure they can intervene but it's really not in their mandate to stop crime oh yeah it's like that um the supreme court decision in 2005 where they said that uh, police are not there to protect the citizens that's my point they they outright say that in you know in the public so right. and, and, you know, it's your job to protect you yeah <laughs> Well, that's what's really interesting is that I've noticed um, the police over the last 10 years, I mean, they're getting more and more 
they look more and more like soldiers every day. Even the small town I live in, you know, they've got full body armor, all black. You know, oh, sure. Yeah, it's, 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 it's insane. It's like, what are you guys doing? I mean, what, what are you afraid of? I mean, <laughs> you know, it's like... No, it's obvious that they're being changed into something else. You know, yes. it's, it's, it's not Andy Griffith being the good old boy sheriff who's friends with everyone in the town, making sure everything's okay, which is what right. police are supposed to be. They are being, yes. and they pretty much have been now, transformed into a paramilitary organization. They have military-grade gear. Yeah, they do. And I, I stay away from them as much as possible. <laughs> Probably yeah, wise, yeah. That's not to say all police are bad, but no. it's also obvious what they're doing with the modern, younger police forces. They're getting former military veterans, a lot of whom have issues ptsd they they're and and this is a plan this is obvious that this is what's being done they're sending young men and women overseas to do god knows what sort of horrible things it's psychologically damaging them it's breaking them and then they're being sent back here they're they're emotionally damaged and now they're here to crack heads on the home front yeah, well, let's not even talk about that most of the police are on some sort of SSRI, too. Well, they're also taught that we're the enemy. Yeah. It's been admitted by many police officers. They call us civilians. Well, a police officer is a civilian, too. You're not in the military. Right. We're all civilians. This is, we're all the same. But you're being taught that we're not, and that that makes a division in your mind that you are separate from us. And, and the reality is, no, you are not. No, no, you're one hundred percent correct. And they're they they have they are afforded no more rights than we are. Although that seems to be changing now. The the they have rights, we don't. And that thin blue line or whatever they want to call it. Um all you gotta do is go on YouTube and just see this horrendous uh, that's one thing technology has helped is like you now you got all these cell phone cameras and you're just seeing these atrocious things that police are doing. Now, again, I'm saying not all police are bad. Uh, they're not. But like what Mark Passio did, you know, I mean, he really just codified it, was the order followers. And the worst things ever done in human history are by order followers. Yes. And that's the uh, conscious excuse that they say to themselves. Well, I was just following orders. There's no way you could justify the atrocities that we're seeing now. Right. Well, they're moral. They're they're morally uh, culpable for it, even though they don't want to look at it that way. Right. You know, it doesn't matter if someone tells you to do something. You don't. You have a moral right to say no. It's wrong. But they're, that's not what they're doing. And by having these emotionally damaged people, who are used to following orders in the military, and that's what got them in that position in the first place, they're just going to go right along with it. And obviously, that's that's intentional. That that is the plan. I agree. It is, and it's it's very apparent. You know, you got to, to see it. I mean, to see it in wherever city you live, and you know, look, look at them, look how they behave, look how they carry themselves. You know, I'm not saying that all cops are bad. They're... No, no, they're still good ones. I I meet a lot of police officers in the work that I do, and most of them are actually pretty nice folks. I can tell which ones are former military and not, though. Oh, yeah, for sure. <laughs> and they do speak to me differently, even though I'm addressing them in a professional manner because I, I am a manager. Uh, for a very large corporation. And, you know, it's just, it's obvious to me. I'm addressing them in a professional manner, but I can tell that there's differences between where what these people's backgrounds are. Right. I agree. I, I've been dealing with law enforcement in my professionally for, you know, 20 years. And I've seen just like, um, 
just as huge, just, just whole attitude change. You know, like, like you said, you can tell the ones are ex-military and ones are not. And, but to be honest, police scare me. <laughs> and they should. I don't, I would never, like, I heard someone say something really, really interesting. Like, There's no situation you can't make worse by calling law enforcement. <laughs> Which is true. Um, so, I think, like, it goes back to what we were talking about earlier. It's like, we have a natural right to defend ourselves against anything, including them. However, you know, I, it's... The police state and the surveillance state, especially um, now that the FBI and the NSA are, are going to be sharing information with different countries about American citizens, and you know, same thing with uh, GCHQ and MI6 and all those other alphabet organizations. We're being monitored constantly. Well, that sounds like behind the scenes they are already tightening up this infrastructure of what would be a new world order system. Yes. You know, sure. It's not just about countries now. Now it's about the whole, the entire world being integrated and you can't escape no matter where you go. You know, we're talking about this new world order thing. And my, my main focus, I mean, I, I do care about the world, but I'm more, I'm focused a lot more on what's happening in our own country. Um, it seems that the United States has been heavily targeted by these people. I think they're afraid of the people here, like the, of the independence that um, people used to have, or still in a lot of ways uh, are. Um, like the Constitution and the Bill of Rights have to say that these things are perfect. They're not, <laughs> however, <laughs> you know, and it, they are pretty uh, an antithesis to to uh, global control. They want to get rid of them in a lot of ways. They have. They have, but I think they have to do it on, in increments. They can't do yes. anything, any one thing too quickly or else people will notice because, because we have this integrated uh, communications network now. If they do any one really big thing super quick, it'll be all over the place and people will be communicating about it and informing one another. So that's why they, I think they had to slow down radically right. because they have to integrate these things one piece at a time now, whereas like years ago where they could really control information, they could get away with things on a global scale in a different manner than they can today. Right. Well, that's like what I said earlier about the incrementalism. This is how they operate. Right. Right. But every now and then there'll be like a, a event, you know, like 9-11 or the Boston bombing or whatever. I think 9-11 was probably the last big one because right after that is when cell phone technology exploded you know, and we're all walking around with computers in our pockets now. Right. With live cameras. So I think they have to do things in a very different manner now. I don't I don't know if they could pull off a, a 9-11 style event like something of that size in the country anyway. It would depend. I, I, the thing that worries me about that is that it would have to be something pretty horrendous. Massive. It'd have to be, yeah, massive and so convoluted that no matter what information you came out about, it, it didn't change the fact of how heavy it was. For instance, a nuclear device going off somewhere. Or, yeah, or biological or something like yeah, that. Yeah, or like some some sort of massive uh, event like that that you're going to have so much information you wouldn't know what to believe, but the effect is still the same. You know, if a nuclear device went off, I mean, the devastation from that 
is unimaginable, really. Right. No, yeah, and that, that would be... Or I'm, I'm kind of thinking, I'm, I'm kind of leaning towards more, I think, um, what's going to lead to something... Not to say that something like that will happen, I don't know, and I hope not. But um, I'm more looking at the financial collapse of the Western banking system, which seems to be being engineered right now. We're seeing it right now. Oh, I think that they're absolutely slowly but surely dragging us down into that, and they've got their own, you know, the banksters have their own finances secured in, in their various ways so that they will still have financial control globally right. while we are reduced to abject poverty. Yes, that's. I think that is the biggest threat we have right now, and it's already happening. And a lot of people want to talk about the BRICS nations. You know, you look at Russia and China and what they're doing with the Shanghai Gold Exchange and um, setting up a different, you know, rivaling the IMF. But in reality, you know, it's it's still central banking. It's just a different flavor. Oh, sure. I, if I remember correctly, there's only a handful of countries left on the planet that don't have a central bank, and I think that number is down to three, if I remember correctly. Yeah, and those are the ones they're going after. Wow, <laughs> you know, really? like, they, big surprise there, huh? I uh, know. Huh? It's like when they, like, remember when they invaded Libya uh, and completely destroyed that country within a week? Yep, they got a central bank. <laughs> you know, yeah, like, it's it's kind of obvious to people who who are in the know. Yeah, and it, and it's um, Iran is one that does not, um, and they're in Syria, did not. And those are the ones that they're uh, targeting now. But again, like I say, a lot of people I talk to, especially about in economics, they, they say like, well, you know, the BRICS, they're, they're a bit Russian, China, they're great. I was like, no, they're not. <laughs> it's, it's the same thing. Man. It's all you got to do is go research a little bit on China and see, you know, who's involved. With, there's no mistake why all the manufacturing from this country went there. There's no mistake that all these corporations have headquarters. There's no mistake that, you know, Kissinger was there and Rockefeller loves a place. And so this, this isn't going to be a better thing. You know? Well, bottom line with China is they use slave workers to produce goods. Yes. That is a fact. You can deny it all you want, but that is what is going on there. And slaves cost less to manufacture goods than decently paid workers. Yes. So that is the current economic system. Yes. That's the planned obsolescence, too. And that's another concept that a lot of people don't really understand, is that they make these devices like phones and computers only to last a year or two. Then you got to go buy a new one. Well... Um, that's 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 enslavement right there. Um, not to mention the the, the, the environmental uh, impact of that system is devastating. Um, and that's what like we were talking about earlier about the like, climate change and the, this whole global warming hoax that they've been. Well, it's no, it's gone from global warming to climate change now. Okay. Yeah. Notice they had to change when people started poking holes in the other one. Yeah, see, they blame us for the th- the things that the system they created, and I think a lot of people get really mixed up. Yes, is there econ- is, is there ecological destruction happening? Oh yeah, are we polluting our ecosystem one hundred percent? But that doesn't translate to the climate change thing. You know, it's uh, it just they've that's how they've been able to get this whole green movement just to go and they've they've put these two things together and they're two separate concepts mm-hmm. there's two separate there's things together and i 
have a real problem with, uh, you know, we know that the that their climate change thing is like, you know, I remember in the, was it in the 80s? I was, oh, it's, <laughs> we're in an ice age. You know, you could go look up the Time magazine cover. <laughs> you know? I also remember from the 80s, they're making the huge deal about the ozone layer and holes in the atmosphere and all that. And I lived through all that and we're still here. Yeah, it's all your fault because you used hairspray. <laughs> and there there may have been some validity to that, yeah. but we seem okay now. Yeah, I mean, um, I do think one of the biggest things as far as, like we were talking about earlier, is, is the uh, geoengineering. If you say, I noticed, though, when you talk to people about, uh, especially hidden plain sight, you know, it's right above your head, you can see it. Um, but if you use certain uh, words like chemtrails, that's automatic turnoff. That's like, oh, you're just a conspiracy theorist. But if you go into it and say, well, this is geoengineering, this is something, there is 150 different patents for these things. They've been doing it since, this, uh, what, Vietnam? Or probably before, I would say, in the late 40s. Um, They've been able to steer hurricanes and things like that since the 60s, which means they had to have been doing research into geoengineering before that. Oh, yeah, for sure. Um, but, you know, like, going down this rabbit hole, the one I went down, you know, I'm still going down, is like, there's a guy I never even heard of before named Tesla. <laughs> you know, you start looking at what he was working on and what they, what he was about, and you look at these, uh, the, the harp facilities, and the, um, like you were saying, like steering uh, hurricanes, creating earthquakes. Um, this is all in the realm of possibility. And I have no doubt that they abused it. And I mean, I know that sounds to that average person that's never been exposed to that. I mean, that sounds crazy. Well, no, you can't cause earthquakes. Well, yes, they can. It's harmonics. <laughs> you know, that's all it is. Well, the universe works off of frequencies. So if yes. you understand what frequency is what, and you now know how to manipulate it. Right. I mean, you're a musician. You understand that very clearly. Oh, very so. much so. Yeah, so the frequency is, and that's something that's been hidden from, and I think that's one of the things that Tesla was able to do. He created the, the free energy, and, 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 you know, just from what I've understood, it, you know, it was it was amazing. Yet again, technology suppressed. And I've heard different sources say, well, yeah, it's probably maybe a good thing that it was suppressed because... I mean, he had some pretty radical ideas, super weapons, and I don't know. He did, but he also wanted to give everyone free electricity. Yes. Which means they couldn't put a meter on it and charge you. Mm -hmm. So that... that, J.P. Morgan destroyed him. Right. And and Westinghouse, too, I believe. Yes. And I, I kind of think that the... When you boil it down, energy is the overall means of control. If free energy existed, a huge burden would be lifted off each and every human being trying to exist. Exactly. Because then you could produce so much more of what drives our our global economy, well, the cost would be minimalized massively. And I I do believe that technology exists, but we're never going to get it in the current state. Oh, no, no, no. Well, there's, yeah, this is an interesting... A side note to this, and this is one of the things that I haven't gotten too much into, but um, I've listened to a couple of things and read some articles. I want to do 
more research on this is but learning about that oil is not a fossil fuel but it is abiotic in other words it regenerates yes it's a from what i understand from the research i've seen it is a lubricant for the tectonic plates of the planet mm-hmm. and so it isn't the scarce the, the artificial scarcity is another way of the you know, like we were talking about earlier, artificial scarcity is also a way of control. You know, there is actually plenty of everything for every human plant, human being on this planet. Very much so. And let me tell you a memory I have from third grade where they showed us a film about all of the fossil fuels and how long they had to last. So they were implanting in our young minds. And I was in the advanced program, so they were discussing this concept with us about when you grow up there's only going to be x amount of years for for coal gas oil so this was being implanted in us from a very young age and i still remember very distinctly thinking well that's going to have very heavy consequences when i'm an adult turns out it wasn't true at all no it's not (laughs) yeah that's 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 Yes, uh, I, I remember um, being subjected to some of that stuff, too. I think about it. Um, there was this theory that um, there was this uh, really good investigative journalist around named Michael Rupert, and he had some really uh, interesting yeah, – he's the one that broke the case open, proving that the CIA was bringing in cocaine in through Arkansas and the whole Clinton thing. And um, Yeah, he did. He's – the only thing I don't like about him, he was all into that peak oil thing, and, and I know yeah. that's not true. So I don't know what was up with him. I don't know if he was a disinfo agent or if he would just believed in something that just wasn't true. But I, I don't think he was right about that in any way, shape, or form. No, I don't I don't either. But he did have some information. I mean, yeah, I, I'm not, after learning more about cause that movie, that movie, I don't know if you've ever seen that movie Collapse, the one he did. Mm, yeah, I did a few years ago. Yeah, that really shook me when I, this, that was like one of the first documentaries I watched during this thing. And I was like, oh my God, the world's going to end. We have peak oil. Uh, then later, I, you know, more research and more learning I do, I figured out, well, no, no, this isn't exactly true. You know, I take aside his peak oil theory, but his other stuff was very good. And uh, the peak oil thing is obviously all you got to do is look at the oil markets. Now there's some, they got tankers sitting out in the Pacific and Atlantic full of oil. <laughs> oh, it's, it's not scarce. Well, let no. me put it to you this way. Gas was a dollar thirty nine here in the year two thousand sixteen where I live in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. A dollar thirty nine, that's what prices were I don't know, around two thousand, fifteen years, sixteen years ago. Okay, so if they can produce it that cheaply with obviously we know a lot of inflation has happened in nearly twenty years. You know, it, it it's it's not true. You know. Yeah, no, it isn't. And I mean, I live in California, but of course, Northern California gets raised on the gas. Well, you're paying double what I am, but that's also yeah. got to do with that heavy tax that they're hitting you with too. Uh, yeah, California is terrible. Um, yeah, just that whole scene, and I think that is one of the systems of uh, control. Is like you said, the, the energy and uh, the. The manipulation, I say, this again goes into the manipulation of information and, and truth and realizing that, you know, um, I do believe that, I, I sincerely believe that this, the oil thing is what we've been told is not true. I mean, you can, uh, I mean, they're actually, if you go back and you look at the you know, early turn of the century here, a lot of, 
oil wasn't used for most engines it was alcohol mm -hmm. that's correct and alcohol we can make that in our own backyard if you want you know it, it takes any kind of organic material to make an actual efficient engine and it, it burns but that was completely and I started learning, actually, it's pretty funny because um, I never put these two together until recently. So um, about the same time that there, you had these competing agendas, Rockefeller, Standard Oil, against the alcohol producers for engines, you had uh, Prohibition come in. And the real reason behind Prohibition wasn't about, I mean, they used the Women's Christian Temperance Union as a front, but they... Mm -hmm. It was really about destroying the alcohol uh, fuel industry in this country, which they did utterly. Yeah, because all the farmers had stills on their property. Yeah. And we could actually, I mean, there, there's, a, there's actually a renewable source of energy that's clean. But no, you know, it's like, <laughs> you know, I mean, it's, that's just one. I mean, that's the kind of stuff that, you know, like when you start waking up to all this information and you start finding things out like that, you're like, Wow. Uh, what else don't I know? And then it, you know, it's just it goes from there, you know. That's right. So it's so like my and one of the things I I, I realize is that um, this journey for me um, it's never going to stop. Now I'm going to be learning. The, there's not a day that goes by where I don't learn something new, um, and I will continue to uh, you know as long as I live, I'll still do it. I, and still learn and and try to um, effectively communicate with people about it instead of like I know we were talking off the air we were talking about you can't like when you're first given this information whether it be about 9-11 chemtrails Monsanto uh, the Federal Reserve you're getting bombarded with all this stuff and then you just want to you want to go out there and scream at people and just, why don't you see this why don't you see this bludgeon you over the head with this information right there's usually the, the anger factor that kicks in with uh, the newly awakened person they're like oh my god this is going on this is real and you know you want to jump up and down and scream right and and, and and that's you can't that doesn't work you know most people are going to go no you know piss off i don't want to anything to do with you so what I found is like when you talk when you talk to people that are have not been exposed to this information. So you you, you kind of got to gather who you're dealing with in the first place. You know what what their intellectual capabilities are. But what I found is really a doorway for people to find out more is what's dearest to everyone's heart, money. And you start with that. You said, you know what the Federal Reserve is? Well, here, I'm going to give you some information. Check this out with the fiat currency and and uh, what, you know, the continuation of debt and our debt slaves. And, just, yeah. and that has that, depending upon what uh, the person you're dealing with, that usually opens the door and they start looking and start lurking. And then, well, then, they, then they come back and ask questions. And then that's that's how you get a hook. You know, so for all here. Don't take my word for it. Go look for yourself. And that's the easy stuff. You know, that, that is an easy way to get someone to realize that the mainstream history and point of view they were taught, it's not real. The Federal Reserve is a private institution owned by 12 constituent parts. Yep. And you find out it's very commonly heard names of families that have controls of control of this organization Rockefeller Rothschild Astor you've heard these names before yeah well you know it's really interesting like again when I went back and you know, we were talking about Common Core and uh, 
my daughter's history book, um, those names never show up. And in fact, when I went to college in history, I never heard of the Rothschilds. This is a name everyone should know. You know, estimated $500 trillion worth of wealth of half the world's wealth or whatever. I don't know. You know, who knows? There's no accurate number, but it's obvious they have... I don't think the word substantial wealth is even accurate. Yeah. Goodness only knows how many pies they have their thumbs in. Ah, all of them, I think. I mean, yeah, that and that's, you know, that, that was a name I've never even heard of until I, I got... Uh, I started doing research and awakened and um it's like we were like we were just saying like you know you start with people with money and then it kind of okay well what leads to different things and then you kind of okay we'll check this out and then there's a like we had talked about earlier like there's this whole uh there's a truth of where we live in you know as far as banking and 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 and, and gmos and chemtrails and eugenics but there's this other there's flip side about it and there's the the very bizarre occultism that is we are completely saturated in corporate logos, um, the propaganda that's put on on um, TV. I mean, my God, have you seen? You've, I know you've seen this. The, the oh, sure. satanic, weird, like the Super Bowl shows. Look at the videos that are being put yeah, on. Yeah, they're music. doing it right in front of us, and it's you know it's so blatant now. Like I understand back in the eighties, it was a lot more. You know, they're just kind of throwing hand signs up or doing little symbols and things. But now, you got people strutting up and down in front of pyramids and all this kind of, like, just really blatant stuff. It's it's really amazing to me that pe more people aren't getting it. It's like, do, you don't think that's a little odd, you know? <laughs> it's like you got Madonna dressed as Baphomet. I mean, give me a break. <laughs> you know, it's like, look at some of this stuff. I mean, the videos and... Um... The music. I mean, oh man, that's you know, that's a whole other show talking about the music in Hollywood. Well, that's all their their means of control. You know, they're yeah. It goes back to to what their religion is. This whole sympathetic magic thing they do, where they put the symbolism storyline out there of what it is they want to happen, thinking that it gives them the power to do so. And also, they have this weird code of ethics. It seems that well, we told you what we were going to do, and you didn't protest, so that made it okay. I've heard that many a time. Yeah, That's... and it's like, no, that doesn't make it okay. No. What would make it okay is that you put out a press release on a global scale saying, by the way, we're going to knock down the Twin Towers on September 11, <laughs> 2001. Are you okay with this? That's saying what you're going to do and then doing it. Exactly. And, well, yeah, like, I've... That weird more... I. I'm, a, I'm an, op an opinion now after you know reading all this stuff and kind of the, we basically we have two, two uh, types of humans now. We have us, and then this one percent that lives in this psychopathic world of occultist, you know, this weird satanic Luciferian. <laughs> and understand, I'm not religious in any way, but I mean, I see this kind of. Uh, this uh, the symbolism it's just rampant everywhere and it's in the movies and it's like pretty much every movie put, put out by Hollywood now has I mean you can pick it out which you realize what you're looking at you know I have a real hard time watching movies now because I just see the propaganda in it and it's like yeah I do too 
Yeah, I mean, I give you a good, really good example, really blatant propaganda that they're coming out with two movies now about the Boston bombing. One's called Boston Strong, and I don't remember the name. <laughs> and <laughs> I started reading some of the experts of this, and I'm like, "Are you kidding me?" And it's that sounds know, like damage control to me because the Boston bombing incident has just been torn to shreds by a lot of people. Oh yeah, I've interviewed people who've just really had very definitive evidence on what was faked. I've seen a lot of that, and it's just, it, it looked like a classic, uh, you know, a classic a false flag of some sort, and, you know, and there's, like, uh, people like Jim Fetzer that did the, the Sandy Hook stuff, and, you know, I mean. Yeah, and there's very definitive evidence for that as well, you know? Yeah. Um, the thing is, since 9-11 happened, people, are, a lot of people who, who are even rudimentarily awake to things, they're looking for incidents now. If something happens, they're going to be like, okay, how fishy is this? And they're going to tear it apart, you know, because no matter what anyone wants to say about 9-11, the bottom line is what the official story released by the government said is not accurate. That, that, that I think, is the easiest truthful statement I can make before we start tearing into it. There's a lot of factors that even I'm not sure about what really happened. There's a lot of theories. But the bottom line is we were fed a lie. Yeah, and the best way, nine eleven is a whole other. I mean, like trying to get people to wake up to that. I think I would say at this point, most Americans realize that at least eighty percent. I saw in the poll that said that it was they have serious questions about it, not believing them. Right, and and they should. The problem is people, the people who don't question it, pretty much have not looked. They're people who have not looked into it because once you do look into it, it you automatically see glaring inaccuracies. That the people who don't want to question it are ones who just refuse to even look at anything. Yeah, it's easier to take the it's easier to take the official narrative and say oh, it was Muslim terrorists, and then actually the reality of the fact that this was done by factions of our own government, Israel, and so on and so forth. And all you got to really do, I mean, if you there's so much information, there's so many people that did so much great work on 9/11. It's just amazing, you know. Follow the money. You know, James Corbett did this. Excellent podcast on that. And Richard Grove, I mean, you, the information's there. I mean, if you're at this point, you you want to sit there and believe that, then, you know, I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> it's like, you're not going to get through to those people. Right. You, if you look, you're going to find it. And you're not going to find the exact answer, but you are going to know that there was very, very, very dirty goings on with all that. Yes. It, 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 like most of all these, these things that happen, they're, they're multifaceted. There isn't just one thing that's going on and that's no it's not like there was um I, i'm always amused at the allegory of george bush standing there with you know big red shiny button in his hand pushes it and boom everything goes no that's that's not what happened no <laughs> there's all there's a spider web going on behind the scenes of saudi connections and all that's what was going on there's there's all different factions that contributed to the overall event that's never going to get put in the 9-11 commission report and that you know you're going to read you're not going to know those things. No, you won't. You know, and unless you do your own research, again, you know, you got to. This, this goes back, you know, full circle to to talk about critical thinking. You know, again, you've got to figure out what people have been so um, desensitized that they are, are overstimulated. I, I don't know what word you want to use. That they don't. They can't even see the, what's right in their face. You know, they can't. It's like their whole 
it's a stimulus uh, emotional response to everything. So there's like no thinking, like, like like we were just talking about geoengineering or whatever. You know, it's right up above your head, but you don't see it. It's hidden in plain sight. That's how they get away with this kind of stuff. That's what 9/11. It's hidden. Obviously, something was going on there. It's hidden in plain sight, right? You know, it's all the money. Like who benefited from this thing? Well, it wasn't us. It, you know, it was, uh, definitely. You know, you know the. We're not allowed to ever talk about Israel, but you know, obviously they're involved in that. And, of course. Yeah, you know, and that's that's a whole other subject. <laughs> <laughs> Israel is just like oh, the more I learn about that, and it's and, and, and oh, I preface this saying that I don't have any problems with the Jewish people or anything. It's their government and the Zionist agenda that I have a problem with. Well, that's exactly so, it. There's a difference between the, the Jewish peoples and. Zionism, those are two different things. Yes. But, you know, the way they have got it set up right now is if you question anything, you're an anti-Semite or you're a racist. I'm like, no, well, what an amazing fail-safe that they have built in for themselves. Oh, yes, that is awesome. And it, but it, a lot, it seems to be a lot of it has been breaking down. Um, you know, I, you can only keep doing the same thing over and over and over and over again. Besides people, especially now, like you said earlier, with the advent of the internet, to see it like, you know, come on, this, this isn't. No one's buying this anymore. Enough are, but uh, I I see like a lot of people questioning, like, well, why why are we doing? Why are we funding these people? Like, what's going on? That whole uh, the BDS movement, the um, boycott uh, uh, products made in Israel. You know, that's happened all over Europe. And, you know, like they're actually trying to uh, stop that, you know, like make it illegal to question that, make it illegal to do that in certain countries. Right. Which is pretty crazy. <laughs> that, that is, yes. Uh, so, you know, that's a whole nother, that's a whole nother nutshell. Israel is like a, that's, that takes, that's a, that's a good year's worth of research right there. <laughs> Fortunately, there are a lot, a lot of people out there doing that research and, um, uh... You know, doing a good job of it, I think. Yeah, I do too. Uh, and I've, I've uh, listened to so many. Like Ken O'Keefe is one of the one I I really respect. That guy, he's he's amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, he just speaks. You know, he, he just speaks it out. He doesn't. You know, he's not doesn't hold back punch. now. No, not at all. <laughs> I like that. I'm a pretty straightforward person too, so I kind of like just hey, you know what? Just say it. Yeah. Um, there's no reason to beat around the bush on this. And it's like, we're not, we're, we're really at a point in, in, in our history. I mean, this, in a, in a lot of ways, it's, it's, it's scary right now, but it's just, it, it's an incredible time to be alive too. It is. And we live in a time where we have a lot of tools available to us. For instance, the internet being the big one. And let's talk about what StopTheCrime.net is, what it is you're involved with and how you're using these tools to, pass along good information to the other to the rest of the average people out there okay um stop the crime.net is is uh, belongs it's a uh, deborah traverse's trevor traverse's page um i'm just the admin you can uh, there's a website um what i try to do with that is i um i go on it i i go on facebook and i find um memes and articles because I, I i scour all the independent media for uh youtube um and I post articles, videos every now and then. Um, I will write things. I notice though when I write um, certain things that it's it, it gets pretty censored. It doesn't reach a lot of people. So I'm um, still trying to 
get the word out on truth, what's going on in our actual country. Um, heavily into, I am heavily anti-war. Um, so I'm trying to get the different narratives out there about what's, you know, where we are, what's going on in Syria, Iraq, Afghanistan, what's the police state here. So I kind of, um, I hit a whole gambit of things. Like we, we talked about uh, eugenics to, to the truth movement. I, and I interact with people that have questions. They'll send me questions and we'll talk. And, you know, I, I like to get, um, you know, other people's perspectives on stuff. That's how we learn. Um, so that's basically what, what I'm, what I'm doing. Um, for right now, um, eventually, uh, I would, will be doing a YouTube channel and podcast. Um, and so the, you know, we'll talk off air on that and give me some pointers on that. Um, and that's what I'm doing. I'm just I'm just a guy that that sees truth and wants to spread it and wants wants people to be free. Now you said you woke up about five years ago. What? How long did it take you after you started researching this material to really want to become involved, become what you know we generally call an activist? I would say over the last two years because I got to the point. I'm at a point now where I was like, I don't want to work. Like, you know, I have a dead end slave job. It's like, this isn't what I want to do. This is not my, I found it took me, you know, I'm 42. It's taken me almost 40 years to find out what I'm really passionate about. And I'm a passionate about this deeply and I want to get involved in it. I want I, the time for sitting around and just waiting for things to happen is ended. We have to do something. I mean, even if it's just little things, it doesn't have to be like big, huge, like marching signs and trying to get petitions signed. That stuff doesn't work. We need to get information out there to as many people as possible, but in a way that um, that is palatable to someone that's never been exposed to this information. That's the, you know, there's a kicker, right? So Right. We have to deliver this information in a way that, reaches the broadest appeal. Right. If you come off too over the top, uh, a lot of people are going to get turned off right from the beginning. Right. So, yeah, that's the, that's the, that's, you know, that stuff. But we're also out of time, I think, like, you know, like we were talking about earlier, it's like things are rapidly, whatever agenda or the agenda is, it's rapidly, I would say over this in the last year, I've seen it, it's, it's, it's escalating majorly especially on the economic front and on the war and everything. And we, as, as I'm just going to speak for here in America, as Americans, are you still willing to send your sons and daughters to die for banks, banksters? Well, the answer is yes, because they don't think that's what's going on. They're still convinced that they're going into the military to serve their country patriotically, defending our country, which I respect. It's just not correct. No. And that's a, that's a hard thing to talk about patriotism. That is like, because that's another side of the story. That's a really hard one to get. So what I say to people is, okay, that's fine. And, um, you know, I can respect that. But I say, well, can you explain to me then why 22 veterans a day are killing themselves here? Uh-huh. Yeah, look it up. Right. Well, from the way I understand it, people are going into the military. They're going overseas and seeing the truth. Mm-hmm. And all these atrocities and finding out pretty quickly what exactly is actually going on. Right. And then you also have to do is go look, go look on the uh, FBI and 
and a state website, who do they consider the most um, threat domestically to them as returning veterans? Why? <laughs> and why would that be exactly? Let's let's ask that yeah. question. Why would that be? I don't know because they probably know more of what's really going on, and you trained them to be a weapon. Yeah, they know how to fight, and their lawmen are coming back going, "No, man, this is something." No, and that that they're scared. They're scared of that. Yeah, and it's kind of a double-edged sword. They created these weapons, as you eloquently put. Now they're coming home damaged, or. In a lot of places, a lot of times, just you know, saw horrible and were told to do horrible things, and now they're angry because uh, you know they they weren't over there defending freedom and democracy and bringing peace or whatever line of crap that they're told. That's not what they're doing. And so, the biggest threat to I think to the government or the establishment is these people because they know how to fight, right? And Oh, I'll, I'll, I'll put this on record. I said, I do not want a civil war here. No, I not at all. I do not want it. No, I mean, it may come to that, but I think that we need to, we, we need a war on, we're fighting a war on consciousness. Yes. That's how we're going to get it. I mean, it may come to a violent thing. I hope not. Right? It's because... No, that should be avoided at all costs. But One of the things we should be really working very hard to is to keep bullets from flying. Yes. Because no blood needs to be shed over this. This is an information war. I've always agreed with that concept. And what we're fighting for is awake, to awaken minds in time, enough minds in time, to prevent it from becoming a physical conflict. Because right. there's nothing more dangerous than the ignorant. Yes, this is true. And ignorance of guns. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, no, I agree. Um, you know, part of me is like, says totally agree it's you know it's a war in consciousness we have to wake people up and not violently but there's this other little part of my head that says you know um i don't want it but it may come to that point i don't know i, I hope not because that should be the last thing you know because yes. there's too many variables once it becomes a physical confrontation because goodness only yes. knows which way people are going to turn because you're still going to have people who think that they're defending their country that are going to fight against other people who think they're defending their country. Like, it's going to be a very messy, bloody thing, and it just, we need to do everything we possibly can to prevent that from ever Stop happening. That. I'm absolutely not in favor of violence. No, neither am I. Um, but, you know, one of the things that makes me think about it is, like, it seems like that's what they want. That'd be the biggest time to get control, right? Well, I'm assuming they're, that the uh, the powers that be think that they would win that battle because they've got more people to carry out what it is they want. They've got the bigger weapons, you know, the bigger guns. They've got all that. So that's what I can see why they're keeping all of this black versus white, religious yes. battles, well, like, no matter what it is. They're, they're, right, they're keeping everyone divided and they keep coming up with different issues to keep everyone stirred up so that we're not unifying, you know? That there is no unified, aware mind targeting the real enemy, which is these elite banksters. There is, there is not. And that's, that's the, you know, people get... It's so obvious because the whole you know, Black Lives Matter and, and they're, they're, I think, inciting a race war in a way. Because if you keep people, like, you know, you just said, if you keep people divided and, and in different camps, they'll... 
they're easier to control. Fear, right? That's what, that's what's used. Right, and it's keeping everyone from working towards the same unified goal because now they're busy fighting each other. Well, divide and conquer has been a military tactic for a very, very long time. Oh, yes. And it is so apparent, you know, once you wake up to see this, of how they're, how they're doing this. It's, it's very apparent. All you got to do is step back and look at it, and it's like, it's so obvious what they're doing. I mean, they've got, I mean, just to use the racial issue as an example, there's race baiters paid in the media all the time. Oh, yeah. Good example being Al Sharpton. Oh, God. Yeah. That guy. <laughs> yes, exactly. I mean, on both sides, too. And it, and it's it's what, you know, and I, I talk to, uh, I talk to people, every race, creed, and color, and religion, and one of the things I always tell them when we're talking about things like this, um, it's like, you know, we are all being screwed over by the same people. Doesn't matter if you're yellow, purple, white, black, whatever. Yep, that's true. We are all being screwed over by the same people. So we need to put aside our uh, differences on ideologically or whatever, and look at what's really going on. And I—that's where I always come back into the money thing and talk about people about money, and because that's really the head of the snake is a financial institution. Right. That is how they're controlling everything: is by the top down through the financial resources. Because if you have that, it doesn't matter who's got a gun because they can make it so you can't eat. Yes. And that's very important, folks. you gotta, you got to really realize where the true power structure is, and it's in the central banks. Yes, 100%. So, having said all this, there are solutions, and that's one of the things that people need to focus on. And one of them is localism. Is get involved in your local community. Grow your own food. You know, uh, have a garden. Um take back the, you know, get involved with other people around your area. I mean, it's probably harder to do in a bigger city, I imagine, but like, but I live in done. a rural area. Oh yeah, for sure. You know, I've, I've seen like uh, people uh, doing like in New York doing uh, these huge uh, garden co-ops. Mm-hmm. And, 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 and this is, that's taking the power back from them is doing things like that, becoming self-sufficient. Yes. As much as you possibly can. You know, I know they're making it all illegal for people to collect rainwater on their property, which is insane. It's absurd, and that needs to be fought oh, on every right. level. Oh, yeah. Oh, yes, for sure. But, like, how it's do a garden. Like, we got, um, we'll be doing a garden um, this year. We're going to have a big one. We got chickens. <laughs> There's little chicks right now, but we're going to have chickens soon. And, you know, try to, to do as much as we can. I think this is getting involved. And even if you don't have that space for a garden, there's always, like, I know there's places where I live that they have uh, land granted by this whatever, and, and people go do their gardening and make it a co-op. I mean, that's, there are solutions to this. One of the solutions is getting the right information, being able to communicate the right information, take self, take responsibility for your life. So all I can say is take responsibility for your information and what you're doing. Don't put it on anyone else. You have you have a right to to live your life in peace and you don't have to live in fear. This information may come scary, but it's empowering too. It is. You have to get over that initial fear of like, oh my God, everything's a lie. Well, for the most part, yes. But you get a yes. grip and you go, okay, well, I don't want to live in a world like this. So what is it we can do to make things better. Yeah. And I've always promoted the concept of don't try and change, for instance, the White House, Washington. It's very unlikely that that's going to happen. 
But what you can do and what everyone should be doing is focusing on a local level. Because if each one of us is focusing on our local level, we are working as a united front. We're all doing our own part right where we are. I can't really do a heck of a lot in Seattle, Washington from Baton Rouge, Louisiana, but if you do something in Seattle and I'm doing something in Baton Rouge and you're doing something in Santa Rosa and then multiply that many, many times over, now we're making a difference. If we take back our local governments with awake folks who know the real agenda, get them into office and just work your way up that pyramid, now you're making a difference. Yes. That's really the only thing I, like, I always tell people. I, I, I don't vote just because it's a waste of time, at least on the bigger things. But locally, you have more more of a chance. I mean, you could even run drops if you wanted, you know, or whatever. Um, you have more of a chance of actually affecting change in your local communities. You have no no chance of affecting any change in the, in the uh, bigger scheme things. Just... My recommendation, especially on a local level, is don't go into it wanting to be a career politician. Go into it and say, no, I'm going to go in and see what's really going on, and then I'm going to tell you. I'm going to tell you. I'm going to tell everybody. If you land on a platform like that, especially on a small level where you can speak directly to uh, who would be your constituency, yeah, I I think people might actually start getting elected because you'd immediately see all the career people who have the money behind them trying to attack you and be like, hey, man, I'm not in this to be – a politician. I want to get into the governmental body to expose what's going on and show, okay, this is what's really going on here in Baton Rouge. No, yeah. And I'm not interested in being a politician, but I'm just using that as the example. Well, no, yeah, no, I, I, I 100% agree. I mean, to be honest, like, I'm, I, I, I come from a kind of an anarchist uh, stance, I guess you could say. So I don't really see government as um, a necessary thing. Yeah. I love the true what anarchy really is supposed to be about. It's not about chaos. It's about not needing to be governed. Actually, from the Latin, it comes from uh, against the rulers. Archon means rulers. And archi comes comes from the word archon, which means ruler. So actually, you're against the archons or against the rulers, if you really want to break it down. No owners, no masters. Right. My only thing I have to say about all that is most people aren't ready for that. People like you and I, we understand the concept of not being, not wanting to screw everybody. You know, if if you're going to have a... But that goes into the non-aggression principle. Right. If you want to have a society like that, everyone kind of has to be on the same page or at least in the same book. You know, not everyone's going to have the exact same level of awareness and understanding of things. That's, That's not plausible. But for anarchy to work, you kind of need more of like a Star Trek style society where there's resources available to everybody so that there's no need for someone to be a piece of crap criminal. Right. You know, like we were saying earlier about free energy, if free energy was around, well, that just alleviated a huge amount of the problem right there. Oh yeah. Like, cause really, really the kind of system that would work if you want to just kind of throw it out there would be like a benevolent socialism socialism and the fact that the technology has progressed to a point that everything is provided for you because it's free it doesn't cost anything it's not necessary and at that point if you're a criminal it's because you choose to be not because you have any necessities have any needs that aren't being met right no i, I agree but you know, the problem with the utopian society is that you know work <laughs> so i mean but it, we have we're at a point now where technology can prove you know provide clothing food and housing for everyone well i think you, you could do it if you do it on again this comes down to that local level thing i think if you started yeah. doing these things on a small scale 
and proving that the model can work. I think technolo- I don't think it could have worked maybe in the 50s or 60s, but in 2016, I'm reasonably confident, and I'm not an engineer, so I, I could be wrong here, but I'm reasonably confident that if a, a decent group of human beings with the correct knowledge came together and said, well, here's how you do rain, uh, water purification, here's how you do energy generation, here's how you build homes that are sustainable, like all those sorts of things, I am right, very yes. confident it could be done with modern technology. And I'm talking about consumer you know, over-the-counter grade technology, not what, you know, military has access to. Oh, no, no, everything's there. I mean, you can just go on YouTube and research, like, aquaponics and and uh, how to grow uh, food. And you can grow tons of food for people in a very small space. Um, you could, uh, that did a 3D printing. Now, that's going to change things. That's, that technology, to me, is absolutely amazing and needs yes. to be pushed to its absolute limits. Yes, I agree. I mean, I've seen things that they've been able to print houses for crying out loud. <laughs> you know, it's like, <laughs> yeah, I'm mean, serious. It's like, it, 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 that's going to get rid of, get, get away from a lot of the consumer debt slavery thing that we're dealing with right now. It's things like that. There's open source technology. There is people out there. There is ways to do that. Now, is every society going to be perfect, even coming from an anarchist type? No, there will always be problems. But, it is better than what we have right now. Right. Period. Hands down. <laughs> well, but the problem is there are people in control of our situations right now, and that's why I always say start on a local level and start working your way up. Because if you have control of your own local society and just keep kind of working your way outwards, the criminality of the powers that be will become more and more obvious as they try and stop you. Yes. So if there's all these pockets of resistance, if you will, all over the planet, hopefully, then when these big governments try and come in to stomp out of existence, we should all, we would all need to be in communication with each other saying, this is how we're doing it. This is how we're making things work without the need for these massive institutions of control. That's what we need to work towards, I think, that that kind of society. And slowly but surely, unless they, you know, just start doing some really huge dreadful events on us, that's how I think would be the peaceful way of changing the world for the better for all time. Yes, I agree 100%. And that is, that is the answer. That is it. I mean, notwithstanding whatever false flag or thing they put out, you know, but, you know, in other words, we have to start deprogramming people too and I think that's what the information the truth movement's trying to do to a certain extent you know? yes that's they what the information war part of this that's what that is right so we gotta I mean it's this is why I'm involved in this and like I want to get more involved and I want to do more things like this and have my own my own um, pedestal I guess you could say to bring awareness like this because I'm, I'm doing it on a real small scale right now and I want to do more. I want to get involved in this. I want to, I, I have a passion for this and this is what I want to do with my life is bring this information. Am I going to be rich off doing it? No, I don't care. I'm not, I'm not out here for doing this for money. That's right. Well, you don't get rich doing this. Let's just, no. let's just be honest here. Um, I don't make any money off of this. I'm doing it because I feel it's important that I do it. I, I like to think that I have a pretty good understanding of how things really are and I want to just take that research I have done and and give it to you. Here, take this information, do with it as you will, but at least I'm going to do my best to present it to you in a as professional of a package as I possibly can so that it's easily accessible to 
the most uh, to the greatest amount of people. Yes, exactly. Um, and that's it. It's like in a, in a way, you're kind of you're, in, you're kind of um, you're, you're competing in, a, in in a way against corporate media. So the more professionally grade, so like the sound that you have is awesome, and the more that progresses, you're going to be competing directly with those people. And so to make like. One of the best ones I've seen so far is Tragedy and Hope, uh, uh, Richard Grove's um, site where they did like history where it doesn't repeat, and it does, and he has it set up just like a like a newsroom, like you would see on CNN, and but he talks about real truth and real history and does interviews with, like a lot of the same people that you have interviewed. So, but the way it's packaged is professional and it looks. If someone was going to tune into that, it looks like, uh, uh, you know. How am I putting this? You know what I'm getting out here? Like, it looks like a CNN studio. Sure. It, the whole point is we're competing on their level. The technology for consumers to access studio-grade equipment, uh, that, that co- the cost of that has come down radically. And I can assure you that that is true because that's what I'm doing right now. I'm using sure. equipment completely on par with anything you would see in CNN studios. Some of the stuff might actually even be better because I am a recording engineer and I know this technology very well and I know how to get the most out of what I've got for a minimal cost. And I'm telling you, you can do this if you want your own platform. It can be done for a very reasonable price in this day and age. You don't necessarily need to do what I'm doing where I'm chasing a vintage sound and going after very peculiar equipment and things like that because that just happens to be my thing. No, you can do this and get a super clean sound that sounds slick and professional with just a little bit of effort of recording and editing. Yes. And Skype is free. Skype is free. Just need a decent internet connection. So I'm telling you, you can do it. Yeah. um, We're putting together, me and my buddy are putting together ideas on how we want to go about this. Um, And I don't know a lot about technological part of it, you know, as far as like microphones and mixers. And so I've never done that before. So it's going to be a learning experience, which I'm looking forward to because maybe you can offer, you can give me some pointers and or send me some links on some good stuff to begin with. Well, that's what I I do for a living. So yes, anyone who wants to know how to do these sorts of things, email me at secretsofsaturn at gmail.com. And I will tell you how to do this on a budget because this is what I do for a living. I, I work in the music field. Thank you. That's that's awesome. That's and, that, and I think the more people that do stuff like this, the better the the more it will get out there. I mean, even on a small scale, it doesn't matter as long as you're doing something, right? Right. Well, it's you know, everyone's got their own flavor. I mean, I, I'm doing the same thing that say Alex Jones is doing with his huge production that he's got. Uh, but I've got my own spin on it, my own flavor. I, I don't come off the same way as he does, uh, and everybody's kind of got their own taste. So some people may like the bombasticness that Alex Jones delivers. Some other people may like the more laid-back approach that I have. I kind of go for an NPR style, uh, you know, close on the mic, very detailed sound, um, try and enunciate really well that's just the way i speak that's just my personality so everyone's got their own thing and i think we would all have an audience and as long as we're all delivering the truth whatever bow you put on the package is just fine with me exactly as long as you're doing something that is truthful and 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 you believe what you're doing you have a passion for it and people will gravitate you have passion people are always gravitate to that 
And passion doesn't have to mean screaming your head off. And I, I just want to kind of say that I, I have a very strong passion for what I do. I put a lot of work into the editing and post process. Uh, doing doing the interviews is the easy part. I, I put more work into uh, post production than I do into just sitting here and having a chat with somebody I like. Right. Yes. Uh, that's that is, it is all, that there it is. And see, that's that is um, one of the things I got to learn how to do. <laughs> I can't wait, dude. I'm honestly, I'm really excited about it because uh, I live to learn. So and, and so, I'm looking forward to being able to start my own thing. And I really appreciate you uh, taking the time to talk to me. And and I mean, that's a great conversation. It was uh, we kind of hit all kinds of different things. You know, kind of we were a, did a full uh, spectrum there. All right, Jonas, this was a really interesting talk, and we got we hit a lot of topics, and it sounds like you definitely know what you're talking about, and you're very passionate and into what it is you're talking about. What is it that you want to uh, get out to everyone? What is it you're working on now, and where do you want to see yourself? Um, what I'm working on right now is, again, like I mentioned earlier, uh, doing a, a podcast, a uh, YouTube channel on a podcast. Um, me and a good friend of mine, we want to... Uh, do what you're doing, um, make it professional, but we also have a, we have a learning curve because we have to learn about the equipment and, and everything. Uh, that is what's in the future for me. Right? I continue to do uh, post continuously on stopthecrime.net. Um, that's uh, Deborah Traveris' uh, webpage. If you want to check out her uh, stuff, it's stopthecrime.net. That's the actual webpage. I am in the Facebook page. Um, and... All I want to get out there is is the truth and challenge people's paradigm and look look at the the reality that we live in and not hide from it. And that's about it. Awesome. Well, thank you for doing your first interview with me, and I think you're going to really make some great noise out there. All right, man, I really appreciate it. Thank you very much. You're welcome. And uh, we can do this again. Yeah, I, I would love to. Awesome, man. Thank you so much. Thank you, Jason. For his first interview, I'd say Jonas did really well. I really enjoyed speaking with him, and I hope you found it as informative as I did. If you wish to contact this show, we can be reached at secretsofsaturn at gmail.com, or you can go to the Facebook page, facebook.com slash secretsofsaturn, the YouTube channel, youtube.com slash secretsofsaturn, and we are also an official podcast on iTunes. We'll see you soon. Mm-hmm.